Welcome back, people of Earth WNBA fans everywhere to the CHGO Sky Show, where we are talking about the Chicago Sky's gigantic win against the Seattle Storm last night. But first, we have to remind you that the show is sponsored by DraftKings. Use the code CHGO at DraftKings when you open an account, and you will get $20 added instantly to an account to your account for those first bets. And today we'll be talking about if you should place any of those bets on the sky. I am Chris Pennant. Here with my co-host, uh, here with my co-host Stephen Garner. I can never remember how cameras work. <laughs> <laughs> the best X's and O's man this side of the Mississippi River. Stephen, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. How about yourself? I'm hot, man. I'm hot. It's Las Vegas. <laughs> That's a great point too. <laughs> And we have along with Stephen today, a special guest who knows exactly what that Vegas heat is about, just like Stephen. Please welcome <laughs> Nakias Duncan to the show, co-host of the Dunker Spot podcast, one of the most brilliant podcasts out there on the entire basketball landscape. So we are very privileged to have Nakias on with us today. Appreciate you for coming on, man. Appreciate y'all for having me. Uh, long overdue. Me to hop on with y'all, hop on with Steven in particular. We chop it up from time to time, but nice to be here. Uh, also a little hot on the East Coast over here. Uh, not Vegas hot, thank goodness. Uh, I was in, <laughs> I was in Vegas last week, and yeah, that's that heat is not anything to play with. I'm glad I'm not there, but I don't know. You know, whole country's warming up. You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Like we we got to be upfront about it. The global warming is hitting. Um, for in, in the case anybody that watches the show does not think the global warming is hitting, um, take a few weeks <laughs> off from watching the show and then uh, get, collect some information and, and, and come back. <laughs> Nikos, where, where are you based out of, man? I've never actually, I know you're traveling, so I, know, I don't think I know exactly where your home base is. Uh, home base is Charlotte. Uh, okay. I, I experienced that, that, North Carolina, that North Carolina heat a few weeks back at the end of July, so I can believe it. Yeah, hum the humidity is not fun in the Carolinas. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I, I liked it. I liked being in Durham, but even coming from Chicago, I was like, this is, I need, I need the lake. Like, I need a lake right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's how they get you, man. You check the thermostat. Like, okay, cool. It's 86 degrees outside. That's not too high. You step out there, it feels like 112. The, it's, it's, it's nasty. It's real nasty. <laughs> Ooh. I ain't experienced that. I ain't experienced that part of the coast yet. Um, and judging by basically what y'all telling me, I'm not really looking too forward to coming down there too soon. <laughs> you go, you go outside before eleven and after six. That, that's... There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, as our co-host has often said, the word of today's podcast is hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And there's nothing more hydrating for the Chicago Sky right now than a win. They broke their losing streak, stopped it at five, and they were able to keep somewhat keep pace with the eighth place Los Angeles Sparks as they put up a dominant 102 to 79 win last night against the Seattle Storm. We had another marquee tweet from our man Connor Moore. Um, I know Donald Glover was in there somewhere. We might get that up during the show, but. First things first, y'all, the Sky won, and they desperately needed a win. But it, it felt like there were a few more things at play here with um, Alana Smith registering another perfect shooting night. 
uh, Marina Mabry having having a good night offensively, and Dana Evans having her best statistical game of the season. What stood out most to any of you from last night's game? We can go ahead and kick it to the guest first. Go ahead, Nikias. Oh, man. Well, first, like, a big win for Chicago in terms of the playoff standings, but also, like, this isn't just a nothing win. Like, Seattle has been the best defense in the W post-All-Star break, and even after giving up, what was it, 102 last night, they still have the best defensive rating <laughs> post-All-Star break <laughs> right now. So, like, it was fun to watch Chicago just display a level of decisiveness. Uh, Seattle's a team that likes to switch a bunch, also a team that will ramp up the pressure. So watching them kind of cycle through, all right, cool. We don't need to run anything right now. Sammy Whitcomb, you are small. We are posting up with our guards. Or we're running some kind of flex action. We're going to get a mismatch here. Or if we're running a high pick and roll, cool. Here's a gap we can slip into. Let's get something easy. Let's play downhill. Let's force y'all to rotate. So it just felt like a really purposeful offensive game plan from Chicago. And as you mentioned up top, that you had a couple of guards had big games. Dane Evans had a big game as well. Atlanta Smith able to kind of clean up and also just find those pockets of space while Seattle was rotating. It just felt like they knew exactly what Seattle wanted to do defensively, and they were able to counter that pretty well. Yeah, I think, I think you made some great points. Uh, for me, what stood out most was, I mean, Dana really stole the plot yesterday. <laughs> she, I mean, the first couple minutes, as soon as she got in the game, she gets downhill, gets into the basket, and gets a layup, and then she's immediately at the point of attack putting all types of relentless pressure on whoever was bringing the ball up the court for Seattle, gets into the scuffle, and then she's turned up the rest of the game. She was on 10 literally the rest of the game. Uh, I mean, this is going to sound like a broken record, but her drives have been insane this season. It's particularly post-All-Star break. Uh, we mentioned a couple episodes ago that she told me she was really emphasizing getting downhill and even past just getting downhill, getting downhill when it's opportune, and then not just to score for herself, but also assessing the help defense because someone's going to have to help because she's blowing past the initial defender. So reading that, figuring out where to make the pass or what pocket to slip to and get a, a, either a soft touch floater up or hit the pocket pass to the roller. And we saw that at nauseum yesterday. She had, uh, I think, 18 assist points um, in addition to the eight assists that she got. So she had her just general floor game uh, really rocking. Um, they threw multiple coverages at her. She saw switching. She saw drop. And she also saw uh, two to the ball at the level. Uh, and she had just the perfect read and react game in terms of her process. And uh, that's something I got to speak to her post game about. And she really just spoke to crediting it to uh, watching a lot of film and that helping to generate more feel for her. So it's less thinking and it's just a lot more read and react. And we saw her have pretty much her, what maybe even her best game of her career yesterday. No, it was good seeing like, you know, I, I don't want to say it was a comprehensive team effort because I think there's with this guy, you can always see these things that they can clean up. But I mean, it, you got to say it sticks out. They are the second most team. They, they've scored the second most times over 100 points this season. And that's tied with the Liberty. And we've seen what the Liberty can do. And they really just ramped that up uh, over the last few weeks. They've found their form. So for the sky to be able to score at this clip, part of me wants to ask, you know, why isn't going this way every night? Is it just the personnel they're playing? Is it the offense still trying to find out how to work with each other, like Courtney Williams said about the fourth quarter uh, a couple of weeks ago? Or is it just that maybe they are finding the chemistry now at the right time? Uh, for me, from my perspective, one is defense. When their defense can generate opportunities for their offense, that's when they're this version of the sky are at their most optimal level of play. And then with that, and kind of in addition to that, 
comes pace. And the pace, which is something else that Dana really helped with yesterday, even after makes from Seattle, she gets the ball and she's going down court about three, four speed, if not a little bit more than that. And she's already putting the defense on her heels, whether they're trailing or they're scrambling back to take away the initial angle for her. And just that level of pace that they were playing with consistently, which bled back into the starters after her first stint was done, is what really helped for them to, A, get up more shot attempts, which is what you obviously need to get closer to that century mark in terms of point score. Uh, and then also the little things like the offensive rebounder from Atlanta Smith, who just continues to nail every little thing that you could think of for her role. And just kind of a culmination of all of those things, really just ultimately seeing them dominate on both sides of the ball, putting both sides together and playing off of each other from there. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm, oh, go ahead, Nikaias. Oh, no, I was just going to bounce off of what Steven said there. Like, I think their defense heading into the year, I think they kind of played on that setting the table for what they want to do offensively because you're expecting a big year for Kyle in terms of her growth. You add Marina Mabry into the fold. Like, they still don't have a ton of just pure, I will put my head down and force a rotation player. And even with some of the pick and roll players that they have, they don't have a ton of, like, people that just generate two to the ball naturally. Like, you kind of want to have the defense bent first and then kind of force mistakes from there. So it's very important for them to be able to force turnovers. And that's, I think, part of why their defense has been so aggressive all year long. Because not only do they want to put pressure on defense, they want to force those turnovers. They want to be, uh, be able to get out and run versus it being a more conservative style, more bend, don't break, try to get some stops from there. Um, so once the defense hits, I think the offense gets a lot easier. Um, I also think they are still kind of in that chemistry building process. They have had some of their stars out uh, throughout the year. So still in the chemistry building process of, Okay, what are the combinations that we want to work with? Like, I'm sure y'all have talked that nauseum about what Courtney Williams and Elizabeth oh, Williams man. Are pick and roll. <laughs> uh, I've seen clips on the timeline from Steven with uh, Kai and uh, Marina maybe screening for each other, like figuring out those things. And once they figure out what pairings work, then I think the next step is just, okay, how quickly can we flow into this? How can we blend these actions now? And so it's not just walking up the floor, we are going to do this, and if it doesn't work, oh, no, what's going to happen? And so as they continue to found out, you see nights like last night where it's like, okay, we know what we want to do. We also know how they're going to defend it, so which also plays into we know what to attack and how. And that allows them to play faster, play without thinking, get that tempo up, and now they're able to maximize whatever advantages they get. It's an odd luxury to have in a 12-team league because you know you're going to see teams at least three times a season so that, you know, depending on how the personnel changes for them throughout the year, you have the ability to work through those little nuanced things, the wrinkles. Oh, you know how they're going to play this. You know how they're going to play that. We played, they played them this way last time. They might adjust here. And there's a lot of chess matches that can go on, which is why I think it's, it's so incumbent on the coaches. And we talked about Tanya Edwards so much this season in terms of defense. It's so important for teams to have a quality head coach and also a quality coaching staff. Two, two sequences from last night stuck out for me, and they were both um, defensive. Everybody saw that Alana Smith dive on the floor play, and watching it from my computer, as I did over and over and over again, I still don't know how she kept the ball in bounds. Not only that, got the ball to a teammate, Ruthie Hebert hit the hit ahead, and then they were able to find Alana, who came back up the floor and hit a left wing three. The second one, Dana Evans tipped a pass that went to Alana, and then Dana got back down the court. I think she hit a three off of that. Before the season, I felt like the Sky were going to be at their best if they could get out and run with the players that they had. And I don't think that they've been able to generate as much fast break opportunities as they would have liked. 
But when you really see it, and I think it's come up more over the past few games, uh, even sometimes within that five-game losing streak, when you see it happen, that's when you see them really set teams back on their heels, and that's when they're at their best sequences of the game. Yep, and it's not it's not um a surprise that both of those sequences came with both of Dana and Atlanta on the floor at the same time. <laughs> the I just I can't highlight enough and speak on enough the activity that those two independent of each other, but especially when they share the floor together. And then you can add Elizabeth Williams to the mix as well. Um, just the defensive activity that they can compile. Uh, obviously, starting with Dana setting the tone on every possession, picking up 90 to 94 feet, and then um, turning turning the ball handle multiple times, making it hard to even get the offense started. And then you got Atlanta, who's able to switch. She's able to play whatever coverage you want to. She can kick out from the backside. Uh, she can scram out of post mismatches, like the catch contest, everything she does. She's just such a Swiss Army knife, and she's so consistent with it is what's really helped her put a stranglehold on the starting small or smart starting power for a spot uh, with Izzy Harrison out of the lineup. Uh, and you just really, you really can't speak to how much those two have really played at times out of their role and really given the team something that they weren't necessarily expecting from them consistently. And that's again, just speaking to the defensive side. We didn't even say anything about what those two bring on the offensive side, especially when their activity is, is at its highest notch. I think that's just okay. it, not to, not to springboard too much off of what you said, but like what they're able to do defensively in terms of tone setting is so important based on what the overall ethos of this team is. And even as you zoom out with the players that have been missing, we've got, what, three games of Rebecca Gardner this year, and we know what kind of point of attack defender she is. Uh, Should have made an all-defense team last year, in my opinion. But we know what she can bring at the point of attack. And with Izzy Harrison, like a lot of things were just happening with that Dallas team last year. But she is someone that is mobile and can execute multiple coverages. So the fact that they've been able to replicate that with these two, I think it's just been very important. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, the man's Nigel in the comments said he was at that game. They looked good. Yeah, that was probably – I don't know if it was the best they've looked this season. I think those weekend games in Dallas were the best that we've seen from the sky. But this was a high-quality game, and we got the Dana Evans that we not only wanted but so richly deserved. Uh, Region Rev, the long time, said that West Side was coming out. It's funny, that East Side, that East Side, Gary West Side, East Chicago. All right, you know. I think Dana is, is one of those players that really does turn it up a notch when she gets some friction in the game, like that Odyssey Sims interaction that she had in Dallas. I think it came up there. And I, Steven, that kind of goes to what you said at the beginning of the season, right? This is a team of dogs. That's and, what I was you know, I was waiting for you to mention. It. You got it. That's a hot word. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> when, the, when those dogs find a bone or when the dog think they're being challenged, you see the teeth come out. You hear that DMX growl in your ears. <laughs> that reminds me when I asked Coach Wade about the compilation of dogs he has in his back pocket. And before I could even finish asking him the question, he was doing a little roo 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 <laughs> and coming off mid-question, everybody was cracking up laughing. But that's literally what it is because she took that, she took that that moment, which was literally, I think, in her first four possessions, and parlayed it into basically her best game of her career. And in addition to that, it was a big time win for the sky who needed that, um, given the the uh, distance that the Sparks were getting ready to separate had they lost that one. And in addition to that, it parlayed into now Marina's got it going. 
Um, now Robin Parks is knocking down threes on the second side. Now uh, Atlanta is getting steals from the backside or getting deflections, and E is doing her thing defensively behind that. It's just such a tone setter, man. And it's it's why, like, putting that label of starters and kind of equating players to specific roles based off of that is not always fair because opportunities come over the course of games, especially in a team construct like the Chicago Sky have, to where Dana could be the best player on the floor at any given moment just based off of the, um, the things that she does and brings to the table that nobody else can, especially with Rebecca Garner, not in the mix. And those are the things that you just can't place a value on. Yo, can I uh, can I hijack your podcast very briefly and ask a question? <laughs> oh, man, okay. <laughs> uh, just a quick one on uh, Dana Evans for both of you. How have you felt about her comfort as a shooter this year? Not necessarily the percentages, but when she's seeing those different coverages, how have you felt that she's attacked that this year? I think, uh, Stephen, I know you have a more in-depth on this. I think just from, from, from watching games, I had this, I, it just seemed like Dana was not able to hit shots consistently from, the, from outside the arc, unless the sky were either down big or up big. And I think her, her confidence in getting that floater off, getting to the lane, getting to the rim, has definitely risen over the course of the season, but the additional aspect to our game that's always been there, which is that three-point shot, seems like it is. It's I don't know. It's odd. It sometimes it's off and on. Stephen, what are you? What are you seeing? Yeah, it seemed like coming off of the season she had overseas especially where she was sprinkling in a lot of made threes off the dribble, of course. And in addition to that, off the catch, it seemed like I'm not going to say she got lost within her skill, but she's kind of eager to show that she could, that she has made this like a more thorough addition to her overall skill set to where she would come in the games earlier this season. And she would be looking to get off a three pointer off the dribble. And I think like she mentioned through watching film and obviously having the coaches in her ear, that's kind of reversed to now she's getting back to what her base is, where she's a she's just a, a never-ending presence for rim pressure and paint pressure. And she's allowing that to then set up everything else. Because now she comes off of screens, she's starting to get unders. And like we saw yesterday, rather than uh, either passing it or not being in rhythm because she comes into the game and she gets a layup right away, she's getting that reaction. Now she's in rhythm and she's getting into a one-dribble pull-up to her left from deep, knocks that down, nothing but net couple possessions later, she gets into a one-dribble pull-up from the right, gets an under, and knocks that down as well. And it's just the sequencing of how she's piecing together her impact over the course of a game that's really been a lot more organized and it's been a lot more optimized, not just for her, but also for the sky. But that's really been post-All-Star break more than prior to that. I think there was there was a very exemplary um, stretch for this. Um, Dana Evans last night came in with two minutes and 30 seconds left in the first quarter, came in for Courtney Williams. The rest of the quarter for the sky went as such. Dana Evans layup off a Ka assist. Ruthie Hepper bank shot off a Dana assist. Cobb running layup off a Dana assist. <laughs> a, a, a Ka steal, Dana Evans with a layup. Um, and then Marina Mabry got two free throws, and then Dana Evans hit two of the flagrants to finish the quarter. So the sky of the last ten points they scored, Dana was involved in all in eight of them, either with assists or scoring. That's what she can do. Like that's, that seventeen point quarter she had at the beginning of last season, 
should have like murals all over the city. Like that was a work of art watching that happen. And so we know that she can just score and get teammates involved just by, like as Steven said, just putting that pressure on the paint the way, I, if y'all haven't seen Steven's, Steven's uh, work on Dana Evans' ability to drive and what that does for the team, just go to allchgo.com right now and read, please, because it was on display so many times last night, and not just in that first quarter when she came in and was able to affect the game. But that first quarter, I think, really put a stamp on the game early for a team that has had so much trouble with scoring droughts. Yep, and it's the – especially when she's in her rhythm and flow, it's the randomness at which it comes. Because like I mentioned, it, like soon as they came out of the All-Star break, uh, I think it was against the Mercury, if I'm not mistaken. They were setting up their stagger that flows into like a handoff action on the second side. And I noticed the light bulb go off of Dana because that space that's unoccupied on her left side while the stagger is coming from the right corner of the floor there's no space occupied there. There's no help there because the other players in the far corner pinned all the way into the corner where the sideline meets the baseline. And she just, while they're setting up for the stagger, I think it was for for maybe um, Marina and Kyle was in the corner. She gets to her left and just eats up all that real estate. And again, no one's standing in front of Dana for more than one step. So, And then in addition to that, with the, the, uh, the muscle that she's added, she's just bouncing right off of defenders on top of all of that. So you're adding the speed with the physicality and the inviting of it, <laughs> and she gets to the basket undeterred. And she's done that, like, multiple times in addition to, obviously, uh, doing it in pick and roll to where now she's doing it where you the defense isn't even set. There's, like, a dummy action or a fluff action on the side, and she's taking an unoccupied space, and she's passing, passing off of that if it gets help. And if it's not there, she's just getting to the basket, and she's either getting free throws or a layup off of that. And it's just been really fun to see the randomness tied in with the – hitting it out of pick and roll or hitting it off of a second drive. And she just, her process has just been a lot more uh, productive uh, post All-Star break and the, the, the sky really seeing the benefits of it. What about you, Nikias? How did you feel about um, yeah, her shots selection early versus later? <laughs> I just don't toss the question, let y'all handle it. But no, like I, I was just curious <laughs> how you felt about it. Because it had felt like she was very aggressive early on. And there's like a pocket where she just wasn't taking like the pull-ups in particular. And I was like, I don't want her to lose that. But to your point, like you also don't want her to lose that foundation of driving as well. Um, but it kind of popped for me as I was going back through the game this morning. It's like, and you hit on it very early uh, in the show, where she saw so many different coverages and she's just taking these jumpers off the bounce, almost regardless of what it is. Gets an over from Sammy Whitcomb, gets downhill, gets to a floater, gets to a layup gets a switch, she sw you know takes a jumper against that pocket of space there, gets an under, she's taking a pull-up against that pocket of space. And it's like, that's what you want to see. Like, obviously, you want the percentage to be better than what it has been this season. But ultimately, I will, you know, y'all hope that Dana gets to the point to where no matter what she sees, she knows what her process is. If it's over, I can get downhill. If it's a switch, depending on who's switching against me, I can take them or I can set something, up, something else up for someone else. If you were switching and you give me too much space, I'm comfortable just pulling in rhythm. And it felt like last night was a culmination of all of that. And so she got to her jumper pretty comfortably, knocked them down. And if the defense overreacted to her, she's getting downhill and getting to the lane or she's opening things up for others. Uh, Chris was pull, uh, noting some possessions from that game as well. I go to the, I think it was a Robin Parks three in the second half in the left corner where Dana is pushing after a make. And they're going into a high pick and roll. Seattle's kind of setting up like they're going to pre-switch the action. They already have someone at the level. 
And they had someone from that left corner kind of shifting over to pick up the roll. And Dana just fires a dart live dribble to the left corner for Robin Parks for a three. And I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> that's the kind of processing speed you want to see from your young party. So that's another example of Dana just cooking. It's been a lot of fun to watch her kind of progress throughout the year. I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that based on what she did overseas with Besiktas. I, I, I think we're going to see that again next year because it was like you're the scorer overseas in Turkey, but to be the scorer, she also had to account for those days where the defense was, was overloading for her and, what was it? What was it? Two weeks ago, Stephen, I said that I was I was kind of looking for the like instant mm-hmm. offense, Dana, but not mm-hmm. and giving her the grace that she's a second year player. We're really seeing that maturation like come through, and it, honestly, it could not be at a better time for the team. Hopefully, the scoring output keeps up because they need that bench scoring, but it's really coming at a good time for the sky. It really is, and it's coming at a really good time for her too. Uh, she's been doing it in place of Marina at times when her scoring or her efficiency hasn't been there. And even for Courtney at times when Courtney's had her struggles uh, over the course of a game, she comes in with that spark plug energy and it's just really the most opportune time for her to do it right now. This has been the Dana Evans show on the CHGO Sky <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> now nah, we love Dana. You, y'all, if y'all have seen it, we love Dana. But we're going to switch gears to another person who was just adored by Sky fans this year. Big Land, Alana Smith, had another perfect shooting night last night. Her third one of the season. And as as Steven uh, checked in with across the timeline, no player in WNBA history has had the scoring line that Alana Smith did last night while shooting 100% from the floor. 14 points, seven boards, three offensive rebounds, all those coming in the first quarter. Two assists, two steals, and a block. And four for four from the field, hit her only three, and went five for five from the line. Um, this is your most improved player, right? Is this it? Is that the, the, the debate is done? This is your most improved player? Nikias, what do you think? Uh, I won't say that the debate is over, because I think there have been a lot of strong cases in the W, and I want to give it I, – I don't have an official vote, but I want to give it the last, like, seven, eight games to really see. But – She's she's up there. If she isn't in your top three, like I don't know what we're doing at bare minimum. And I think she has. Hold a on, we got we got to get down to this. You don't have a vote. You don't have a vote in this. No, nah, I don't have a vote. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. Hey man, I, I just got here. I, you know, I ain't tripping. But <laughs> but no, no you got to scream, scream on them as soon as you walk in the door. <laughs> don't do me like that. But no, like it has been fun to watch. It's it's funny. Like you think through just what her year has been, but also through like the MIP lens. Normally you see a case like hers. It's just like, oh, okay, well, this player was averaging 10 minutes. Now they're averaging 28. So that's why it got better. But you can also see one, the minute bump, the per game, uh, you know, per game numbers bump, but you also just see the visible skill that has improved with her. And I think my favorite part of watching Atlanta on both ends is just how quickly she sees things, how quickly she navigates space defensively, how quickly she gets to the level and gets back out of there if she needs to, or switches or gets some of her smaller guards out of mismatches. Offensively, pick and pop, she knows just how far to drift. It's like a very small thing, but knowing how far to drift to open up an angle for the guard versus going too far or staying too narrow and allowing that pick and roll to be defended two on two. If she's off the ball and doesn't get a touch, knowing when to crash the glass versus when to stay spaced, open up space for everyone else. She just gets it, as simple as that sounds, 
And then even when she's operating around the middle of the floor, she gets the ball, just a quick pass somewhere else. Really good in short roll situations as well. She just understands where she's supposed to be, how much space she has, how to leverage that space, how to maximize opportunities for her teammates, how to put strain on defenses. And then she can just clean up messes if necessary as well. And so watching her do all of that stuff at a higher level than we saw in some of the bite-sized minutes earlier in her career, it's just been a joy to watch. Yeah, uh, again, very great points. I think the the first thing that pops off the screen of me for her, she's gritty. I eat nails, tough. Like, <laughs> how many times did she hit the deck and you looking like is she okay? And then she just pops right back up, like we saw on the save yesterday, where I'm not sure how her shoulder is still constructed to work properly still, but she gets up, runs down the court on the opposite side of the floor from Dana fills the lane, and she's able to knock down the three. Like, she has so many of those type of sequences compiled over the course of this season. And I think, really, her foundation, you really can't speak on anything past just the two-way activity that she has. And when both sides are hitting, she really gives this team a bump that, again, is not accounted for when you're looking at a team that has Courtney Williams, Marina Mabry, and Kalia Copper. It's like, oh, we have to deal with Atlanta Smith playing off of everything that they do. And then if you look on the defensive side, you're thinking about Elizabeth Williams first and foremost. And they're like, oh, but Atlanta's doing literally the same thing with arguably just as much activity at times. And she's more agile in terms of being able to switch and guard her yard. And then uh, even pickpocket a guard at times. (laughs) Like She just does so many little things. And then my biggest thing with her outside of that is how good of a rotation defender she is. I'm thinking about a play yesterday where Nikaias was talking about her process and her reaction time. There's a play where someone got beat off the dribble on the left side of the floor. She's on the right corner by herself. She's the low man. Elizabeth Williams has to step up to put the fire out. And literally in the same accord as Elizabeth Elizabeth stepping up and putting her hands up, she peels in to take over for Elizabeth's matchup and gets the steal before Jewel basically even throws a pass there. And it's like little instances like that where she's one and two and sometimes three steps ahead to where she's taking a charge and just doing all of these little things is just very impressive. And like Nakaya said, it's just the the fact that she looks so comfortable doing this at a sustained level. Um, and the, her first time getting true minutes over the course of an entire season. I mean, what more can you say about that? I don't think she'll get the MIP just because of the popularity with somebody like potentially like Satu. That's, I mean, an all-star and one of the best players in the W. And it's really for her just more health than anything. So I think she'll kind of get quote-unquote robbed in that sense, but that does that doesn't take a, take away anything from how great of a season she's had as a starter. No, it really can't. We've talked about the personnel issues uh, ad nauseum. That's the other word of the podcast. Hydrate and ad nauseum. They go hand in hand. Uh, <laughs> Hydrate ad nauseum. You know? That's it. Drink <laughs> <laughs> water until you until you gotta get the water back out. Man. That's it. Um, <laughs> Uh, Atlanta was able to step into that role that was going to be probably Izzy Harrison's. And she hasn't always, quote unquote, flourished. But even her most recent games, she hasn't had a game in the last four with less than three offensive boards. And that's against an Atlanta Dream team that had Cheyenne Parker working under the glass, Um, Washington Mystics that had Shakira Austin back. The Connecticut Sun, when we know what um, what Alyssa Thomas does and the way that their guards crash the glass. And even against Seattle, you know, Seattle is is not the team they are. Uh, 
that they have been in the past, but they still have Ezzy Magbavor working down there on the glass. That's what you get with Alana Smith. She is not just the person who can step outside, hit a three. Um, she's not somebody that just helps in your pick and pop game, pick and pop game. I think her calling card really has been defense. And it's just like an additional bonus that she can go out there and get you double figures on the scoring sheet uh, when she does come in. We got to give Makai's a vote, though, man, because if we, if we give him the vote, then he has he's like, it's a favor that he has to vote for Atlanta. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got to hope the league offices and watching this, so then that, you know, disincentivizes them to give it a vote. But, you know what? If the league office is watching this, then then we've gotten so big time that I don't even care. Like we're untouchable no with that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's right. <laughs> this is the CHGO Sky Show, hosted by CHGO Sports, and we want to talk to you as we have been talking about the heat. As always, we got to open the show talking about the heat. It's Sunday outside. It's hot outside. Wherever we are, whether it's Charlotte, Chicago, or Las Vegas. Shady Rays is the place to go to keep the sun out of your eyes and keep you looking cool and feeling cool in the shade. Shady Rays, some of the best sunglasses that are made in this country. They also donate to causes around the country to help adults and children alike, especially those suffering from multiple sclerosis. And, and if you don't like your Shady Rays sunglasses or they somehow get broken as soon as you take them out of the box or within the first 30 days, Contact Shady Rays, and guess what? They'll send you a new pair free of charge. If you use that code CHGO, you can get two pairs up to 50% off, 50% off. And it's not like they're going to break the bank for you in the first place. So you're just saving money and looking fly. Shady Rays, the best, the best sunglasses out there. Again, use that code CHGO to get 50% off your first two pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. The best sunglasses, bar none. The Aces are coming to town on Thursday, Stephen. The last time that Chicago will get to boo and jeer their most hated rival and see the uh, subliminal play of Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum and on and on and on and on. And so if you have not gotten tickets yet or if you're thinking about taking somebody last minute, go over to Chinatown, go over to, to Cermak and then hit over to Wintrust for that game. Game time is the place to go. You see ex exact views of your seat on the app. There will be no obstructive view seating fiascos. You will get last minute ticket sale deals. If you want to move down from this 200 section down to the 100 section sideline and visit in with our friend of the show, Eric Nemchak courtside, you can do that on game time as well. And if you use that code CHGO, you get 20% off of your first ticket order. What's not to like? I don't know. If you want to go somewhere else and buy tickets that are going to charge you excess fees, you are very much free to do that. But us and the listeners of the show, we're going with game time. The best tickets guaranteed every single time. Let's go to some wider WNBA news because there was a lot of it. Like we had this great game from the sky. We had a, 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 a clash for the ages in Minnesota that had extra stuff involved in it with Satu Sabali, as we were talking about earlier, Asia Wilson tying the single game scoring record and even uh, Connecticut. What is it? Connecticut. Did they, did they, won, did they win last night? Or did they take that loss? Uh, I think Connecticut was able to sneak it out. Mm. Okay. 
And that was a close one. There were a lot of games on the line that don't just, you know, that weren't just affecting the, the landscape in particular, but the sky had to have their eyes on for playoff, uh, the playoff expectations as well. But um, let's, let's start with the Asia Wilson game. Cause I think that the 50 points is going to have the most highlights. I will say that Asia is under the microscope already because she's so good because she plays for Las Vegas, because she is so outspoken and becoming quickly the face of the league now that Sue is retired and Diana is um, close to retirement and Candace is probably close as well. And, and unfortunately, the Candace has been injured. How do you properly put this game into context with the understanding that for varying reasons, people will want to shortchange it and then for other varying reasons, people want to call it an instant classic, the greatest performance that we've ever seen. Man, putting this into perspective, I guess on a bigger scale is, I want to say tough, but it's something I kind of have to think through. And so, you know, ask for a little bit of grace as I think through it live. Uh, for one, just watching the game, my favorite phenomenon in watching a basketball game, W side, NBA side, whatever, is when I get to the point of laughter. And I think that's what the second half became for Asia Wilson. As the aces are just flowing out of horns, Asia on the right elbow, she's driving left. It was like two or three straight possessions where they dump it to her, she gets a touch, a couple of dribbles, she goes. Atlanta tries to send more help. She takes a bump, finishes, and gets a bucket. Atlanta sends even more help. She drives again, gets a, gets to the free throw line. And I'm just like, dog, this is some of the silliest stuff I have seen in a very long time. But no, like this felt like such a, it felt like such a crowning moment for Asia. Like the record is the record, tied the record. I got to talk to Becky Hammond post game because uh, Asia hit a couple of technical free throws and then checked out with like 48 seconds left. It's like, was there a thought? to let her finish out that 49 seconds to get a bucket. And Becky's like, nah, I was already dying inside because I don't want her to get hurt. And Atlanta's like triple teaming her off the ball and stuff. Like, nah, I, it, she, I wanted her to have her moment, but also was kind of the vibe there. But no, like for everything that Asia is, and this was part of, this is probably my favorite part of just the entire experience last night. It just became a celebration of who Asia is as a person post-game. Kelsey Plum was asked post game, like, how did it feel like being on the court as Asia's doing this? And Kelsey talked a little bit about how dominant Asia was on the court, called her generational talent, but immediately went into how inspiring she is, how positive she is, how she always tries to share the spotlight with her teammates. She's a great teammate, great worker, sets the culture. The franchise has a great culture because of Asia. Becky Hammond was asked a similar thing about like I, what this moment meant for her. And Becky goes into a whole spiel about how phenomenal of a superstar that Asia is and how she's all about team. She only cares about winning. That's it. And how that can be lip service for others. But for Asia, you, it's very palpable that she just wants to win and doesn't care about getting her own individual glory to an extent. Cause she's still a superstar. She, you know, wants her flowers, but it's not the main thing for her. And like, that's what makes it so special. And she deserves to be in the history books. One, just the performance was absurd, but for what she means for the league. And I tweeted this sometime last year, like she is the perfect face for the league. Someone that is very good. Someone that is still on the younger side. Someone that is outspoken someone that is still very much about team, someone that is personable with the media, with her fans, 
you see post game, she immediately goes, of course, doesn't do the court side interview yet, immediately finds her dad and her brother, hugs them, chops it up. It's like she is so like if you are creating a superstar, like this is what you want it to be. It's a, it was just it was wild just as a basketball watcher seeing her get these buckets and get to the free throw line and sprinkle in these jumpers and just bully her way to the rim, knock down a three in the game as well. But just for what everything Asia represents, this just felt like it, it all just kind of came together last night. And it was special. Uh, I mean, you can't really say much past <laughs> what you what you mentioned, and for that being a freestyle off the top of the dome, my guy, that, that was excellent. <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, with all of that in context, you even take to how she goes about operating the the um the streets of Twitter or X, if that's what we want to call it now. That's another. We don't, topic. We don't have to call we it don't, that. We don't, we don't, we I'm glad we all on the same page. Like just looking at how she ingratiates herself with the trolls. She doesn't get into arguments with them. She also doesn't ignore them. She plays the game, obviously from from her perspective as a player, having a brand and representing the team and all of those things, and makes it like entertaining. Like she's a must follow whether you're an Aces fan or an Aces media reporter or not, just mm-hmm. because of the gravity that she has and the way she goes about um, just just being her. She's really the prototypical uh, franchise player that you would want. And like Nakaya said, obviously the face of a league as well. She doesn't get in trouble off the floor. She's very respectful. She has the respect of the legends as well as the players in the league at the moment. And she didn't just get it. She earned it. And she's continued to earn it. And she's extremely humble on top of all of that. And I think, like Nakaya's mentioned, seeing how fans and how teammates and coaches react to uh, a player having such great feats, the way that she's continuing to just compile over her career, that before even looking at her as a person really speaks to who she is. So where you don't really, she can kind of fill in the gaps just from that. Like, okay, they genuinely love her. And it's because of how she goes about being with them on a daily basis. If Sid gets in a game, you see she's on the sideline, waving the towel over her head. Um, it just... Just like the little things like that, like she's just such a she. She might be the best leader in the um, WNBA at this point, and even across like all of basketball in North America, she might be one of the two or three best leaders of a team of a franchise. She's yeah. like literally a, the hub of a culture, and she just goes about it in such a graceful way that it you can see that it reaches to the 12th player on the roster, and obviously to the second and to the coaching staff as well. And I mean, like she just. Like, I hate to say perfect because nobody is, but you can't, like like Nakaya said, you can't piece together a better franchise player, leader, face of your league than Asia. It's Yeah, if you built her in a lab, I don't think you could. Go go ahead, man. No, I was just going to bounce off of that. Like, she she is just everything for this Asa team. Offensive anchor, defensive anchor, locker room leader, face of the team, face of the league. And, like, even if you care about, like, the team building stuff, like, Asia's not making as much as she could right now. Like she took less to make sure Kelsey can resign. Jackie can resign. Like she just encapsulate everything that you want. We're looking I, I think um, I, I, I want to say, cause I heard I was, I was in a Twitter space last night and um, the idea came and this is what I want to get at. The idea came that with the Atlanta Dream team as they were, with with a couple of injuries 
and maybe not as, as sturdy of a front line as some other teams. The idea was that Asia scoring 53 points was doing her job. Like she should have scored 53 <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I, I think the, I won't put it out there because I, I do respect everybody who was in there, but there was this particular, there was a particular sentiment that was like, if any, if, if Asia doing this against Nas Hillman is not noteworthy, <laughs> that was the, that was the word, and I was I was mind boggled. I don't think there's really anything to say about that other than it's silly, based on everything that we've said. But I just had to put it in there because because it's silly. It is silly, and what's also silly is the fact that she hit that fifty three with just one three point attempt and one three point make. If you want to apply that type of context to it, apply it to how she went about getting it, not versus not, you know, that's a that's those are WNBA players that she that she did this against, regardless of who you deem may have been able to impact or affect that or whatever. That's the complete wrong perspective. That's that goes without saying. But I just like to look at it that way. She did that with one three point one three point shot, <laughs> fifty three points, like. Just special. All that stuff we just said about her as a person, her as a leader, her as a face of a league, and then she goes and does that. Like that is that is extremely, extremely unique. And I just hope people aren't taking this for granted based off of whatever biases or whatever affiliations they might have, uh, stemming back to collegiate sports and all of that stuff. Just appreciate the greatness and the abundance of greatness and the the uh, the type of greatness that we're that we're all being blessed to witness on a night by night basis. Uh, I was just going to say, like, two. I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth with, like, some of the fan sentiment after that game. Because, like, on one hand, sports are about banter at a certain degree. And, like, no, you're no, there, no player is going to have a 100%, like, <laughs> like favorite favoritism rate or anything like that. Like, it's okay to not be the biggest fan of Asia and stuff. But, like, th- I do feel like there are just certain nights where he's got to take the night off. Like if you are anti anti Asian or anti Aces or anti South Carolina, like Tuesday night was the night you take off. <laughs> you know, if Asia has you know if Asia has like a game like the Sparks game where she missed a couple of easy ones at the end of that one. If you want to come in with some slander or something like that, that you know that's that's sport that's fans. As long as you're not toxic or you know any kind of like actual wrong, like that's fine. That's all good. We don't we just don't need the takes after yesterday. Like the one joke that I had because we were hosting a watch party during that game, because um, Asia checks out with the fifty three, uh, she would have needed fifty four to set the record. And I jokingly said, like, "Well, she went twenty of twenty one from free throw line. I guess she would have made that free throw. She would have had it." And wouldn't you know? Hop <laughs> on Twitter not too long after, and here's Sid Colson, like, "Hey, fifty four yep. was cool. Fifty four would have been better." I was like, "Man, you know." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That worked harder. (laughs) (laughs) But even that just kind of speaks to the culture that they have there. Like, they all just love being around each other and clowning each other. Like, I think back to a game earlier, uh, fourth quarter, the Aces were winning. Jackie Young had a little bit of a scare, like an ankle tweak or something like that. And then it pans over, you know, after the dead ball to the Aces bench. And it is Asia and Chelsea making fun of Jackie (laughs) right Mm -hmm. beside her. Mm-hmm. And they're all just kind of cutting on it. Like, you know what? This is what it's supposed to be about, man. Like, this is the kind of joy that you're supposed to be playing basketball with. It's, it's been a blast. They do do that to Jackie because she's quiet and they keep trying to get her going. And she's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not dancing. Like, you can see she's like, I'm not dancing. <laughs> That's what makes that team so special, though. 
And I, I really don't think you can win at the consistency of a level that they win at. And even like if you look at it in the playoffs when there's stakes on the line, you can't win at that level consistently if you're not if that fun factor is not there. Like we've seen a lot of great teams on both sides of basketball that have fizzled out because they haven't been for whatever reason, they could be a multitude of things, but they just aren't having that type of fun to where you can make fun of Jackie after something like that happens. Or when Asia falls on the floor, her teammates can make fun of her. <laughs> like, or if Becky's got something going on, like they're making fun of the head coach and, you know, doing dancing and stuff behind her back. Like those little things like that are just what really makes a team really and differentiates them from, you know, whoever else might be contending in that season. Um, they all genuinely seem like they enjoy going to work. And I mean, if you ask them one by one, I think everybody will have an emphatic 10 out of 10. Yes. Like they genuinely look forward to it. And when you can get lost in your season, because a 40 game season is longer than 36, but it's still, you know, it's, it's a long season. You can get lost in it by just having fun. And the wins are coming as a byproduct of that. You know, you have like a real family type of atmosphere around it. That's the space you want to be in in any type of uh, multi-person uh, dynamic. Mm -hmm. No doubt. With some some slightly less, well, similar news, I say, just because it involved fans. Uh, the Dallas, the the Lynx beat the Wings last night in Minnesota, 91-86. And Satu Sabali, who we were talking about earlier, had another high-quality game, 22-7-7 with four steals. Uh, but there was an incident where uh, Bridget Carlton got injured. I think she landed, uh, and Satu landed on her foot, and the fans were or cheering that you know Satu might either be hurt or out or both. And she hit a, a, a technical free throw and blew a kiss to the crowd, and afterwards said that the Minnesota fan base was quote disgusting. Uh, the shot in Freuda to see someone get hurt can't be a WNBA culture. Terrible words from the sidelines all game long. This was backed up uh, by Cheryl Reeve and Nafisa Collier, which, you know, you've seen things like this happen where, where players say something and typically the, I think the person or that plays in that city is going to say, it was like, is like I, we don't want to hear something like that. I didn't necessarily hear it myself. They came straight out and were like, yeah, celebrating that's inappropriate. And I did think that fan deserved to get kicked out. Um, I, I, where's, I guess, I think there's been some discussion over toxic toxicity in the culture, whether it's online or whether it's in person. Definitely there's been talk about how, where fans have to draw the line in terms of when, when they're in the arena. Uh, Steven, I want to kick it to you first. What do we take from this on the whole, just this incident last night? Uh, I... Just kind of after the after the Sky game last night and post game and everything, I glanced at Twitter and then I'm seeing, I'm like, what's going on here? And then kind of piecing it together. And then I see, obviously, uh, Satu's tweet. And I'm just like, okay, this is obviously extremely unfortunate. It's, it's just downright terrible and toxic is the word that you use and the word that's being used to describe it. I think it's apt and appropriate. Uh, I just don't want for all of fandom to get um generalized with this because this is it's at least from my perspective seems like a sub segment it's not the the greater majority of fans that are participating in this um i don't even know what you can describe it as but yeah i just don't want that to get lost in everything but i do feel like it was uh it was addressed appropriately and i hope that it can be an example for any potential situation that might come up like that moving forward because 
that has nothing to do with the game. That's just that's just not being a good human being at that point. Yeah, there's just there's no place for stuff like that. And I I'm glad both of y'all kind of hit it. I'm glad that not just the links, but like the front for you know the f- front facing players and people of the links, Cheryl Reeve, Nafisa Collier, both are like, nah, we don't stand for this. This is not what the links are about. This isn't what the links fan base is about. These are some bad actors that do not. They should have been kicked out. They don't need to be in here. And so I'm glad that that level of, I guess, accountability was taken since, you know, Cheryl and the they didn't do anything. But, like, I'm glad that they kind of took that onward. Like, no, we are representing what this organization is, and we want to do it the right way. And we do not need any bad actors spoiling that. Get them out of here. I appreciate that and how just upfront they were about that. As far as the culture as a whole, like, I feel like I just kind of have the thing with basketball fans overall, where it's like, remember that the athletes that you're watching are people first? They are very athletic and skilled people, very athletic and skilled and entertaining people, but they are people. And I don't know how you get lost in your fandom to the point to where you are happy that someone gets hurt or that you are actively, or even if it's just actively cheering for someone to get hurt. I think naturally, if you are a fan of a team and you see superstar is not going to play that game, it's like, okay, my team has a better chance to win. But there's a line beyond that to where you are rooting for an injury. You are happy that someone got hurt and you are like, there is no place for any of that. Like that's nasty. And what, and even beyond that, all of that kind of overshadowed what was a ridiculous end to that, to that links and wings game. And Enrique hits a crazy shot. You get like Mm -hmm. that game could have very well went to overtime after the links jumped out early. Wings took a lead. Links took the lead right back. And now it's all overshadowed by a fan getting ejected and somehow coming back and then getting re-escorted out. Like, like what are what? we? Like, what are we doing exactly? Like, why are we acting that way? Be a I had no game. idea they got back in. It, it was a couple of incidents in that game. I was like, why are we? Why are we here? Like, let's be an adult, or at the very least, let's just be a sensible human being. You paid money. To watch these players play. And again, if you are a Lynx fan, naturally you want the wings to lose. Like trash talk is fine. But we should know what the line is. Injuries are a very obvious line. Like you shouldn't do that. No injury stuff, no slurs, no like some of this stuff should just be common sense. You would think, you would think. Um, I I enjoy going to games, especially like I was a baseball fan first. And I love sitting in the outfield because you razz the outfielders. But I realized early on that a lot of the stuff that you would hear was just boring. Like it was just like cursing outfielders out or saying stuff that was was lame or racist. And I was like, what's the there's no thought process behind this. Like talk about why why somebody's wearing their pants a certain way. Talk about why somebody's wearing sunglasses when it's cloudy out. Um, I, part of the reason that I was glad that I took Spanish was that I could talk to outfielders who were from Latin America and say silly stuff like one time I insulted Carlos Gomez's aunt's cooking and he was mad about it like he hit a home run and came back and stared at us and I was yelling I was like your aunt's cooking is still trash like that's the kind of stuff you go back and forth with but there's absolutely no reason to cheer when somebody gets hurt um Watching that connect the last Connecticut game in Chicago when uh, Tip Hayes got hurt, I was like, "This is terrible." 
this was legitimately terrible, even though Connecticut was most, so much better with her on the floor because it was my first time seeing her in person and she was so excited to watch. Like, there's nothing that's really gained other than maybe a few minutes and possibly one win on the schedule from seeing a player get hurt. Um, that being said, Maggie Hendricks, friend of the show, friend of, friend of everybody who has had yeah. one of Maggie's cooks, really. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> She she just tweeted a, a few hours ago that Wings Links could be a very likely playoff matchup. So, not only will we have a couple of teams who are really going to be going at it, we're going to have those Minnesota fans under the microscope again. And uh, I've seen some things from people in the past who say that they this is not an isolated incident with uh, Links fans. I don't know about it personally myself, but. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what kind of clamps the league and, and the team puts on the fans if we do see a Lynx, a Wings and Lynx first game, uh, first round playoff matchup. I hope they yeah, I, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how it's, like you said, how, how people are going to be held accountable and how they'll be preventative of that even, uh, even more moving forward, knowing that there are. Uh, there's a higher level of um, competitiveness, let's just say that, on display from fans in addition to the on-court product. Yeah, all I was going to add is that I hope they are able to figure out who those fans were and like, let's get some bands going. Let's just let's just be no nonsense about it. Well, however, yep. you can, however you can realistically do that, but let's just do that. Because, like, there's just, again, there's no place for that. Set the precedent. We don't need that. Yeah, it's going to be time for that band hammer. Well, 4,000. Um, Law, can we throw up that Alana picture? Because I don't think we got to it earlier, and it is so classic. <laughs> like, like this, this was a game that the Sky lost, and I mean, like, you look at <laughs> just like look at that. When Alana dyed her hair, it was already like very striking, and I think it was after um, a, a game earlier where she she took that uh, the, she had the stitches over the eye. And it almost felt like, okay, you know what? It's the middle of the summer. I'm having kind of a bad stretch. Got hurt. Change things up. And then you get that absolute classic photo. And I'm like, okay, if if Alana can do this after all she's gone through and this season, then I have no reason to not smile. I need to love rebounding more myself. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she has that much contact in front of her from Alyssa, who is the most physical player in the W, and from behind, from Rebecca, like, and she's smiling, that is such a her picture. She truly <laughs> embraces that. For real, man. Is that a rebound? That, uh, if they made player cards, that would have to be her player card, man. Oh, please, please. There's got to be the mural right here. We got too many artists <laughs> in the city for this not to be on the side of some building. Can we take down one of those You Are Beautiful signs and put that up? Oh, I'll take goodness. that. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, we need to see one of those Twitter links with the t-shirts. There it is. There. Yep. yep. Get you some yep. stuff. We got Kyle looking down at Sophie, and then we got <laughs> Atlanta smiling. She's being boxed up <laughs> by two players. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? All right. We're coming to the end of the show. Um, Sky have some work to do. They need some help. And Los Angeles Sparks are at Phoenix tonight. Los Angeles is still a 10 and a half point favorite. Um, so our last question of the, of the night. Do you think that Phoenix has that in them to 
possibly spoil the party for the Sparks tonight? Or will the Sky have to try and put some pressure on Los Angeles going down the rest of the, going this weekend, you know, to like make it close against the Aces? What happens tonight? What happens tonight? Um, I'll say tonight, I need to check and see what the injury report is and see if Brittany Griner is going to be available. Because I think that's going to swing a lot of this. Um, I think about how aggressively, the Spar- similar to Chicago, to how aggressively they play their bigs and pick and roll. And it's been, let's just say, an up and down year for the Mercury's guards in terms of availability and just also productivity. And so they need someone like BG. One, she's just good. But two, she can just give them kind of that relief out. Like, okay, we don't have to go into as much screening action. We can't just post her up and play out of whatever double team that she gets. If they don't have BG, that eliminates their best roller, that eliminates their best interior threat. And with the way that the Sparks are rolling, I I don't see it for the Mercury if they don't have BG. Like Even with her, like I would probably still just pick the Sparks to win. I think they're a better team. They've been, they're on the longest win streak in the W right now. Um, but without her, like it, it just gets really, really tough. Yeah, that's that's it for me. They're reeling from from that win in Vegas, or against Vegas rather, and they're just really starting to get their pieces back. Like we talk about the sky being impacted by injuries. There's only one team that's been more impacted, and that's the Sparks, and they're starting to get pieces back. Uh Clarendon, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, uh obviously one player doesn't change everything, but <laughs> that's pretty much what <laughs> that's pretty much what's been going on. Uh since you know, like it's it's just it's just special seeing how you know, seeing teams that are kind of piecing it together, not having their you know their deemed rotation over the course of a season, just treading water, and then they start to get those pieces back, and now you start seeing the light bulb go off for this player and that player, and now they're starting to unlock new dynamics within their schemes, within their lineups, and within their just individual play, and they start looking like night and day from what they were earlier in the season to where they are now. And unfortunately, at the casualty of the sky at the moment, that would be the the uh, Los Angeles Sparks, led by who else? That everybody's best friend in Chicago, Kurt Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta make a new villain poll for this for the show, and because I, I don't think I put Kurt Miller on it last time, and uh, yeah, the the vibes are still real and they're still bad with with Captain <laughs> Kurt. <laughs> I didn't do this at the outset of the show. Um, so Nakai's before you go, you have to hear you have to hear this since the sky beat Seattle last last night. <clears throat> oh, maybe I hear the blues are calling tossed salad and scrambled eggs. That's right. We're doing some <laughs> Fraser theme music. All right. That's right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Did not have to hear big right now. <laughs> you can hit the big red I, I have one more quick question for you. Um, pertaining to the game tomorrow, was there anything, uh, whether it be team or individual matchups or even just individual players that you were looking forward to for tomorrow's game? Uh, I can kind of answer it for myself before you. Um, I know you've been talking about the Aces defense against uh, the empty corner pick and rolls, mm-hmm. and I've been talking about, uh, conversely, the sky taking full advantage of that specific dynamic when they're within their multiple pick and roll scheme. Uh, I was just curious how you feel like the, the aces match up with that. I know we got two games under our belt and uh, how you feel like it'll play out tomorrow based off of everything we've seen. Oh boy. Well, I was going the pick and roll route for sure. I was actually looking at it with Chicago's defensive activity and how yeah. the aces guards are able to deal with that. Cause I think a big part of how the sparks were able to beat 
Daces on Saturday were the amount of hedges and just flat out traps that Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum and even some Jackie Young. The Sparks were pretty comfortable saying, we're putting two to the ball. We trust we can rotate out of that. For some turnovers, or at the very least, you're going to retreat. You're not going to make an aggressive pass. We can get back set up. And I think Chicago has the personnel and obviously has the scheme to do similar things. And so that's kind of what I'm keyed in on. As far as the Aces pick and roll defense against Chicago, I think Chicago has enough to exploit it, especially with the empty side. Um, it just feels like, and obviously you've watched Chicago deeper than I have. It does feel like the processing from the guards can go up and down in those looks. And so I do think if there is a level of hesitancy from either of those guards as they're trying to attack and pick and roll, the Aces will be able to scramble and get back and uh, kind of flat Chicago out. And I think when Chicago's looked their worst, it's been initial action didn't work. Where are we going? It's some catch and hold. And Chicago can't afford to play like that, against, especially against this Aces team, which zoom out for the season. They still have the best defense in the W. Um, the recent slide aside post all-star break, like this is still a team that can defend at a high level and will throw out a bunch of different looks. Actually, I'll toss a question to you real quick since we're on defense. How much zone do you think we're going to see in this one? Because <laughs> Becky started out with a box. Becky started out with a box and one against Atlanta last night. I was like, okay, this is fun. Uh, there was obviously the wings game where they just played like the first six minutes in zone and Dallas couldn't score. You've talked, uh, you've talked about Chicago and their uptick in zone. What are you expecting on that front? I think uh, the last couple of games we haven't seen the zone as much uh, because the the man to man defense has been a lot better. Uh, they've been putting forth a lot of switching and they've been more connected than they have been at any point under Emray. And that stretch where he's been a head coach over the last couple of games, they've been more connected there than at, at any other point. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like we might not see it as much as um, the previous matchup may suggest. Uh, obviously, Emory has that in his back pocket. I think we'll probably see it more than anything after timeout, um, especially in the second half. But I think he'll kind of try to trust the base and activity at the level of the screen and just being aggressive. And uh, trusting, obviously, Atlanta and Elizabeth's ability to rotate off of each other when the other is up high on the floor. Um, and then kind of looking at it on the other way around, um, I think if the sky can find that pace that they had yesterday, I think that's what the key is for them because they struggle at times to, like you said, something gets flattened out initially. Uh, under Emray, they've been getting into a lot more hand, hand back and get action type scenarios. So getting into those counters and the rescreens, of course, uh, more consistently and with more pace, I think that's what it is more than anything else. And if they can do that, I think the, the no, <laughs> no pun intended, but the sky's the limit. We saw them, so we saw <laughs> we, we saw them somewhat keep pace in that last game at Wintrust with the Aces, and then obviously it fizzled out when uh, when Asia and Chelsea put the hammer down. So I'm just looking to see if they can can sustain it because they put forth that scoring um, those scoring outbursts where they've been north of 100 points against teams that can't really replicate that, especially when all of their guards are popping. So I'm curious how in an environment that's definitely going to suggest an up-tempo style of play, if they can keep up with Chelsea and Kelsey and Jackie and Asia and Alicia. <laughs> and the list goes on and on, you know. <laughs> I'm about to break out to some DMX. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, like, not, not just for copyright. We can't play that song on the show. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Probably for the best. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But yeah, it should be it should be a good game tomorrow. I think I think the um, Sky are going into this one at a right level to where they should be able to 
at least have a better start. I think that's what also kind of hurt them, not having as good of a start in that last matchup with the Aces. They can get, get off to a better start like they did yesterday. Maybe win that – I always talk about that race to the first time out. If they can win that race to the first time out and it's like 11-7 to 7 or 13-11 to 11 or something like that, I think that's that'll be a good barometer for which Sky team is showing up. I'm with that completely, too. All right, Nikias Duncan, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. I wish we had more time because it's as I can honestly just sit back and listen to y'all just talk about the intricacies of this game. And it's, no, it's just seriously, learn a lot. Learn a lot from the game that you think you know and you realize that it's even more detailed than you think. So appreciate you coming on the show. Follow Nikias on Twitter at NBA. And is, again, got to check in the Dunker Spot podcast hosted by Nikias and Steve Jones. Um, anything else you got coming out of the hopper, Nikias? Um, I think that's the big one. Like, I've had words up uh, second half of the season at WNBA.com. Uh, I probably have a couple uh, – me and Mark Schindler, a uh, friend of the program, um, <clears throat> we've been coming together on a weekly MVP power ranking. Uh, I just did the last spotlight on Asia which uh, is aging pretty well, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that came out uh, right after her uh, her big fourth quarter against the Liberty on Thursday. Uh, big game on Saturday, though. Those bunnies at the end didn't, great, didn't go great. And then 53. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so just keep an eye out on my words at WNBA.com. Uh, as you said, check out the dunker spot. It's been W heavy. Uh, we'll probably, I'll say probably about a month, a month and a half until we really – dip back into the NBA bag and start our season previews on that front. But uh, we're having a lot of fun. Come rock with us. Steven is on Twitter at stay true S dot three. As always, you can check him at all chgo.com. Check out the most recent episode of sky scope. That is volume two. And I'm sure we'll be seeing volume three soon. Anything special you got coming through Steven? Yeah, um, I'm working on some uh, some some written work with uh, kind of looking at Atlanta and Dana, and then also uh, I got I should have a film session coming up on those two, uh, maybe before tomorrow's game, but definitely by Friday, and uh, just kind of paying more attention and looking at the little things with two of the most integral players within the entire team aspect of the Chicago Sky. So those those things should be up uh, relatively soon over the next couple of days. This has been the CHGO Sky Podcast. Follow us at CHGO underscore Sky. Follow CHGO Sports at CHGO underscore Sports. And I am Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. Big ups to our producer, Lawrence Benedetto. Law on the quick draw. He's got to go back to sleep right after this. This has been the (laughs) CHGO Sky Show. Until next time, be cool, stay cool, and keep your head above the clouds.